Well, hey, I want to take uh, just a couple moments as we get started here. Normally, I like to kind of start in a lighthearted, kind of fun way, but just in light of the last couple weeks, I just want to kind of acknowledge the heaviness of the last couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I don't need to catch you up on everything, right? You read the headlines, you know what's going on both here and around the world, but just to kind of walk through a little bit of that and just do what we do as a body of people is just come together in prayer and difficulty. And so um, as you have, have uh, if, you, if you're alive today, you know what's going on in, in different parts of the world uh, as well as home. But two weeks ago, the Taliban overtook the nation of Afghanistan with breakneck speed during U.S. withdrawal from the country. Countless Afghani people, women and children, once more, uh, face the reality of living, living under an oppressive and violent evil regime. Christian leaders facing the threat of persecution, direct threats to them and to their family at the hand of the Taliban, so many clinging to the lifeline of just getting out of the country. If we could just get out, gathering around the airport, you've seen the scenes, we're reaching up, trying to grab onto airplanes that are taking off uh, of runways, and it was, it was chaos. And at, as you know, uh, a suicide bomber sees this very opportunity to kill 13 U.S. service members on Thursday in Kabul. The oldest of those young men and women was 31 years old. These were our beloved sons and daughters, American sons and daughters, American heroes that will never get to come home again. Meanwhile, two weeks ago in Haiti, an earthquake carrying a magnitude of 7.2 devastated the Caribbean country. Over 2,200 lives were lost 7,000 homes destroyed, 30,000 left homeless in a country that already faces extreme poverty. And then we could talk about the headlines at home. Another round of COVID, and, you know, it seems to be just central in the conversation. Uh, we see this virus continue to be persistent, um, to claim so many lives, uh, to, to wear out our frontline workers' um, anxiety, and then this entire other pandemic that seems to kind of go along with the current moment, which is this constant division, constant debate, and, and we've all seen it. We've all been a part of it. We've all seen it circulate through our social media and in the headlines. And so in light of all of those things, I just wanted to take a moment here on the front end, rather, as much as I'd like to tell a funny joke or use a funny illustration or tell a funny story, just to acknowledge that things are hard. And there's things that are heavy. And in light of everything I just shared, there's things that you guys are dealing with personally, ways that this is impacting you personally, uh, any number of these things. And so I just wanted to take a moment and uh, just a moment of silence, a moment of quiet, uh, acknowledging and recognizing that, yes, there is still a reality here on planet Earth of violence. There's still a reality of disease. There's still a reality of loss and, and all that that means to each one of us. And in light of that reality, we have to continue to take steps forward. We have to continue to live our lives and, and do our best um, to, to not let evil really at the end of the day have the final word. And thanks to the hope of Jesus, we don't have to. And so uh, I just want to take a moment, just take a silent moment. If you want to take a silent moment uh, and just pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones, uh, loss of uh, the, the Marines and the American soldiers, as well as those that have lost lives in Haiti and those that are losing their lives today uh, at home. So let's just take a moment of silence and prayer, and then I will pray and we'll uh, begin uh, today.
God, we just come to you in these moments, in these weeks, and we just want to acknowledge, God, that they're hard, that they're heavy. And at the same time, it's nothing new, God. We know that there is a kingdom at work here. There is a kingdom of this world that is filled with violence. It's filled with evil. It's filled, filled with what feel like just unjust and unfair things. And we can't make sense of them all the time. We don't understand them. And in light of that, God, we know that you are good and that you are sovereign and that you are in control. And so we just come to you right now, God. We come to you just acknowledging the loss, acknowledging the difficulty, and we just pray for your comfort and your strength. Uh, God, we pray that those who have fallen uh, would be honored um, as, as heroes and that, God, we uh, could continue to um, just do the right kinds of things, God, and really follow in the footsteps of Jesus um, as you've called us to do in the middle of, of, of hard times, in the middle of good times, and in, in all times, God. We thank you so much that you are an ever-present reality in our lives, and we thank you for the hope that's found in Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Well, I was just talking, we've had a lot of conversations at our house, you know, some of those conversations, if many, probably like your house, have gotten tense at times as we're just trying to make sense of the world in which we're living today, and um, I was at one moment, Jess and I were having a conversation, and Eli didn't pick up on the content of as much of the conversation as much as the, conver- the, the kind of, you know, our sense in that moment and kind of what we had projecting in that moment. And um, he's just standing there, and for us, like, we have to sometimes have those conversations with little kids around because that is our constant reality. And so we're talking through some things, we're, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's a heavy kind of a moment. I can just see as Eli is kind of, he's just taking it in, he's just watching, and, um, it occurred to me, just in this innocent eyes, that he does not understand at all um, any of what we're talking about, but he can see he's picking up this sense. He's picking up this range of emotions that many of us, you know, carry in these times. And so I just looked at him, and in this moment, it's just like, this occurred to me. I just looked at him, and I said, hey, hey, Eli, where do we find our hope? And he just looks back at me without even skipping a beat and says, we find our hope in God. And I don't know if that's a message that you need to hear today or if it's a message maybe that I just needed him to remind me of, but that is the truth. And this is nothing new. This is nothing surprising. It's everything that Jesus told us would happen, that in this world we would have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. So while these things are heavy, while these things are hard, our hope is secure because our hope is in the unchanging God. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the world that is to come. So while violence and disease, natural disaster and death will always be part of this world, our hope is not in this world. We do what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be informed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Yes, we grieve, but we don't grieve like the rest of mankind because we understand that there's a hope. A hope outside of this life, a hope outside of this world, and it's that hope to which we point everyone else. And we continue to point and remind ourselves. And that's why this series has been so important as we come back to the simple way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus that changes everything. It's the way of Jesus that always has changed everything. It's what he has done to overcome this life that changes everything. And because of that, we have hope. And so that's why this series has been so important. This reminder that we, in these times and in every time, are to do what the people of Jesus do. We continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We rally together as the people of Jesus. And today, what we're going to talk about is that we continue to share the hope of Jesus. 
because he is our hope. We are a people filled with hope, a people sent with hope into a world that is desperate for hope. One of the final scenes in the book of John is a powerful reminder that we are a sent people. It was a moment when Jesus' disciples were filled with despair. They were filled with discouragement. The heaviness of the moment had overtaken them because in their minds what they saw happening was that it was all over. That darkness had conquered all and they were sitting in a room thinking that their beloved Savior, the one who they thought would be the answer, had been crucified brutally in an agonizing way on a Roman cross. And so they sat waiting, they sat fearful, they sat not knowing what to do next, because all hope was lost. And it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. The resurrected Jesus, the embodiment of hope, literally walked into the room, met them in the middle of their despair. And there he was, and what Jesus said to them in that moment was maybe a message for all of us today, peace be with you. I mean, talk about the understatement of the year, peace be with you, are you kidding me? Like you're alive. The resurrected Jesus, peace be with you. When he said these things, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And then he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold the sins of forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So if we are sent as Jesus was sent, how do we go? What does that look like? And that's what I want to spend some time talking about today. And this message is going to be a little bit different today, almost in two segments, because today is group day, group launch day. We're getting back into some of these group rhythms, which we're really excited about here. Uh, It it feels like it's been a while since we've been in this normal group rhythm, and so it's excited to press into that. And so I'm going to talk on the back end just about group life and kind of some of the frequently asked questions, the FAQs of of group life and some of the groups that are available. And so the front end of the message here is going to feel a little bit shorter. We're going to hit some of these points quicker. But I just want to answer for you a little bit of that question today. If we really are a people that is sent with hope, or if we are a people that's filled with hope, a people sent with hope in a world that's desperate for hope, what does that look like? How are we sent in the way of Jesus? And I posed this question to a group of leaders uh, just this past week as we were prepping for group life. And I just said, okay, well, let's ask that question then. What do we know about Jesus in the way that Jesus was sent? Because if we're going to be sent in the way that Jesus was sent and pattern and model uh, our own life after his, what do we know about Jesus? And so this isn't an exhaustive list, but these are some important principles and patterns that we follow in as we try to share the hope of Jesus in the way that Jesus shared it. Number one, Jesus went as one powered by prayer. Prayer was essential. It was absolutely essential for Jesus. And if you could argue that one one person that probably didn't need to pray, you could probably argue it was Jesus because he was God himself. And so, yet Jesus models for us over and over again. He calls us to prayer. And in Acts 1.8, he gives this instruction to the disciples. He says, and and just like we had seen here, uh, in John 20, 19, it says that he said he breathed on them, which is an interesting idea. He's kind of, you know, breathed on him, them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, this breath of life 
receive the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like in that moment, he's sort of breathing their power into them. And that's what he does. And then he tells in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These things were inseparable though. Where's the power come? It's coming from the Holy Spirit. This breath of life that he's breathing into them, this power of the Holy Spirit. And so through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, we go. Jesus was one, one that was empowered. He was powerful. So rather than being paralyzed by powerlessness, we are powered by prayerfulness. I used this illustration the other day with the leaders. I said, hey, what's your favorite kind of car? And we could kind of kick out like different things. It's like our favorite kind of car. I'm just an F-150 guy myself. Like I'm a simple guy. I like my F-150. And uh, I like, but there's all kinds of, you know, people kicking out. Like if you could have any car, what would it be? Like Lamborghinis, like all the Porsches. Like this is cool. Somebody said Tesla. And then I used this illustration. I said, all right, that's great. Those are all awesome cars, you know. And a lot of them are very fast cars. They look cool on the outside. They're all these things. And so I said to him, I was like, all right, but none of those cars aren't, are any good if you don't have any gas in the tank. And somebody's like, well, the Tesla is electric. I'm like, you're missing the point, right? The Tesla has to get plugged in somewhere too, right? The Tesla is a powered car just as much. And so let, without the power outlet, the Tesla isn't going anywhere. But I wanted to make that illustration to say, listen, we, we, I think we have all great intentions. We want to go and spread the hope of Jesus to the world. But we could have all the best intentions. We could have all the passion in the world. You could be the most charismatic individual. You could have all the knowledge of the Bible in the world. You could just be able to recite the Bible. All the coolest strategies, whatever it might be. But without prayer, we're powerless to carry out that mission. So we're like a, a car without gas or a Tesla without an electric outlet, right? And I wonder today how much of the feeling of powerlessness that we have can be attributed to prayerlessness. Because prayer is ultimately what powers us to go into the world, to live out our mission, to live out our purpose, and to raise our families, to lead well, to do all the things that God is calling us to do. He didn't call us to go out on our own strength and on our own power. He breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. And so we are powered by prayer and the Spirit, just as Jesus was powered by prayer and the Spirit. So we continue to pray constantly, consistently for all people. Now is the time to pray. Prayer not only moves mountains, it moves hearts. It's often what God is doing when you pray, when you step into these prayerful moments, is he's shifting your heart. He's changing your heart, which brings us to the next idea about the way Jesus went. And Jesus loved. He was with a genuine love. Jesus went with genuine love. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. It says, so this is what he did. This was his action. Here's his motivation. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest fields. So we see Jesus' heart, his intention, his motivation. People weren't projects to Jesus. He loved each and every one of them genuinely and fully and deeply. The next shift that needs to take place in us as we go and share the hope of Jesus to the world is, ask God to help us to love people the way that Jesus loved people. That's the way that we step out. 
I was at the, uh, I got to speak at Rotary uh, meeting for, for Deerfield and Mason here this past week and get to share them, with them just what's going on at Access Church and what's going on at Colin, kind of our mission and what we're trying to accomplish there and how we want to do good in, in, in this time and in this place. And uh, I, I, I sh- shared a whole bunch of different things. And at the end, it was like a question and answer time. And this one guy who kind of looks at me, he's asked this question and um, he's like, he's kind of saying, hey, listen, you're, you're talking to a room of like mostly 50 plus age group. You're a young guy. Um, and I'm like, what's he getting at? Like, I don't know what he's going to ask. Like, I'm curious. And then he kind of, he's like, tees up the question. He's like, knowing, knowing that, and most of us are kind of older, um, what's the secret to connecting with young people, young families, young adults? I was like, I, I didn't really have a, an answer at first. I was like, that's an interesting question. I said, I guess you'd have to ask them for yourself, you know, because we really have a great population of young families and young adults and young people in this place. I guess you'd have to ask them for yourself. But I think if you ask them, they would probably say something about the fact that we're genuine here, that there's a genuineness here. When most of what they encounter is artificial, it's like everybody has an agenda or an ulterior motive or whatever it might be. We just try to lead with genuine love. And I think it's really that simple. I can't speak for them. It's not really a gimmick. It's just love people genuinely. And that should be our posture. That should be our heartbeat. Just like it says in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. Abhor, hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Jesus didn't turn people into projects. It was all genuine. He genuinely loved people. And so we go in that same way. We lead with love, with a genuine kind of a love. Jesus went declaring and, dis- and displaying the good news. In Mark 1.15, here's what it says. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and this is often kind of how his message would start. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So Jesus was declaring the good news. He was telling them of God's story. He was declaring it. But he didn't just declare it. He put it on display at every way. He demonstrated what the kingdom looked like in real life. He lived it out. He healed people. He lived among people. He he went to the sinner. He sat around the table of sinners. He ushered in the very things that the very things of heaven. He didn't just speak of good news of heaven coming. He he ushered it in with every action. And we must follow that same pattern. Pointing people to the good news of Jesus in both our words and our actions and both are important. Sometimes we withhold our words. We think that the gospel message isn't as important. If I just demonstrate it, I think both are important. We should put it on display, and we should also tell the story of of God's unchanging, unconditional love and the story of Jesus dying on the cross for each and every one of his children, that those that might receive that gift would have eternal life and freedom and all that comes with the gospel. So it's a show and a tell kind of thing. I had lunch a few weeks back with uh, one of my friends that goes here. One of our friends, um, his name is Ryan, and he, he, uh, he coaches baseball is one of the things. It's not his main job, but it's something that he spends a lot of time on. He's coached a lot of young people. And he was saying, you know, with that has come an opportunity to really get to share his story a lot and kind of his purpose behind why he even coaches to begin with. And he, he's just so many different stories I could share with you about how he's taken the time to invite those guys in and to really – you know, build a relationship with them and ultimately share 
the gospel of Jesus and how it's changed his life. And he, his testimony is really an amazing testimony. I had to have him share it with you at some point. It's really his story to tell. But the amount of things that he's overcome, that really he shouldn't have ever made it out of, and yet he did. And he overcame those things. And he's, he was telling me about one guy that he had the opportunity to share the gospel with, actually a guy that was coming with Ryan to church um, for, for a while and is now back at school at UK. But uh, his name is Austin. And he, he, he shared the gospel with him and, and told him his own story, shared his story, shared God's story. And he, says that, he said that Austin just looked him in the eyes and said, man, you went through all of that and still came out on the other side? Sign me up. I'm in. And that was really the extent of it. And so Austin accepted Jesus. And the cool thing about Ryan is he hasn't stopped walking with Austin and a variety of other guys in his life. He keeps sharing his story, keeps sharing God's story, and watching as God does the work of life change. And it really isn't as hard as we sometimes make it. Share your story, share God's story, declare and display the things of Jesus Declaring good news with your mouth, displaying good news with your life, being good news to the people around you. So Jesus did those two things. Jesus also made his dwelling among us. I love what John 1.14 says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There's another version of this that says, and I like this version, I think it's the message version, says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Gives us this visual of what it looks like to actually think of yourself as a missionary in your everyday context and move into that neighborhood. Whether that neighborhood is your school, whether that neighborhood is your workplace, whether that neighborhood is the gym that you work out in, whatever it is, is finding a place and posting up there. I think we're such a restless group of people, we jump from so many different things that we miss the opportunity to really be present, similar to the way that Jesus was present over a period of time. There is power in time. And Jesus moved into the neighborhood. In fact, he spent 30 plus years in a very small proximity, and all of his ministry was in this central location. And so it's, it's, it's notable to think about that. You know, we always kind of like elevate the value of going and we should absolutely go but there's also a value in staying building relationships and that really has been our model from the beginning whether it be CrossFit whether it be Kala whether it be you know the preschool that we get to partner with whatever it is all of these things are long plays it's a long-term mission we're setting up shop we're building a, a level of presence among people and so we're, we're trying to live that value out. When Jesus sent out the 72 disciples to carry on his work, here's what he said to them. Listen, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. It's an interesting instruction, isn't it? Stay put. Set up shop there. Actually move into the neighborhood. Be there. Be present. And I think it's interesting. Because he's, he's also acknowledging the fact that, hey, there's going to be receptivity. And there's going to be those that aren't receptive to it. We have to just continue to, 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 to operate in the way that Jesus calls us to. We lean into that receptivity when it's there. I think sometimes we think that we have to go to the hardest places and the, the furthest corners. But who's right out in front of you that's asking you questions? I can't tell you how many different stories I have where I've just been present with somebody over time. And I, I, I'm waiting for that open door for them to let me I talk about the gospel. This is part of who I am. But then that moment comes in time where they face a crisis or a difficulty, and they're ready to have that conversation. 
And that receptivity then is there, and I can lean in. Why? Because it's, I'm not, it's all genuine, and I, I'm a part of their life. I've built a relationship with them. Trusting relationship is one of the best avenues for the gospel. And we could take a poll in here of how many we won't, but how many of you, through a trusting relationship, responded to the gospel of Jesus? It's not as, as, as much as, you know, I like the pulpit. I think the pulpit's important. A lot of people respond that way. But the majority of people, it's a trusting relationship that they have that was built over time. So go and make your dwelling among people. The last thing I want to say as we, we wrap up is that Jesus went with urgency. I think a lot of times we think, man, we have all the time in the world, and at some point in some season, when it's a little easier, when then I'll start really taking this kingdom advancing mission to heart. But we all need to start today. In whatever ways, big and small, we can lean in and continue to declare the hope of Jesus to the world. Because there's a people out there all over the world that are desperate for hope. And we have a message of hope. Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Light up that house. Light up that community. Light up that workplace. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This was an urgent message. Now is the time to shine. Now is the time to share good news. Now is the time to be good news. This is how we change the world, by pointing People to Jesus, one person, one life at a time. I just want to conclude with something I found online, and, and maybe you've read this. It's been kind of circulating, but uh, this is from Pastor Andy Stanley. He says this, Sometimes I want to just stop. Talk of COVID, looting, brutality. I lose my way. I can become convinced that this is the new normal. This is real life. Then I meet an 87-year-old who talks of living through polio, diphtheria, Vietnam protests, and yet is still enchanted with life. He seemed surprised when I said that 2020 must be especially challenging for him. No, he said slowly, looking me straight in the eyes. I learned a long time ago to not see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through the people that surround me. I see the world with the realization that we love big. Therefore, I just choose to write my own headlines. Husband loves wife today. Family drops everything to come to grandma's bedside. He then patted me on the hand. Old man makes a new friend. His words collide with my worries, freeing them from the tether I had been holding tight. They float away. I am left with a renewed spirit and a new way to write my own headlines. I'll conclude with this question, what headlines will we make this year? How will we shine? We can't control what happens in our world, but we can do everything in our power to usher God's kingdom to earth. Lord, that is our prayer. We pray, God, that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are, God, the hope of the world. In whatever way you call us, God, we ask that you would help us to shine a light in this time. 
I think sometimes we think that we've got to do these big things, but we just ask, God, that you would help us to continue to do small things, as Mother Teresa said, with great love. Help us to be passionate in the way that we share and prayerful in the way that we go out. Each of us can think of people in our own life that we want to know the hope that you offer. So God, we just lift those names to heaven right now in our own quiet moments. Pray in Jesus' name. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look